like just about everybody who's wanted to join us has done so. Oh, there's one more I got to let in the door. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic to see everybody here. Welcome to this PBS discussion special edition of our Tuesdays at 2 call in. Going to have some great information here. A couple of housekeeping things to do before we get started. This meeting will be recorded. All the uh, the video and as well as audio, and we'll be releasing that on our normal outlets for the Sun Country MEC. We do have a YouTube channel that we do put uh, certain presentations up there with video along with the audio, and you can find that at the SCA MEC uh, YouTube channel. We also have our podcast outlet. For those of you who are not aware, we have the the Sun Country MEC podcast channel that's available on any podcast outlet. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, if you search for the the Sun Country MEC Pilots podcast, you will find us there and you can listen to a lot of these audio presentations that we give. And there's also some really good education pieces that are up on there. With that in mind, be advised, this is recorded. It will be released for other people to hear. We would really appreciate that you not try to uh, either record this or take notes and summarize the release on Facebook. We really appreciate the help. We know your fellow pilots are eager for the information, but please, please point them to the direction where they can get the, the information straight from the horse's mouth here. They can go to our YouTube podcast, any of those things. So please do not try to summarize and and let put information out like that. Uh, with that in mind, I am going to turn things over to, I believe, Will is going to get us started here. We've got Tim and Katie are here with us as well. They're working on our PBS stuff. They're going to have some information. And uh, Eric is here too, but I think we're going to start off with Will. Will, take it away. If I'm incorrect, pitch it over to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin, I, I think you are uh, correct. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, thanks for everybody for uh, uh, showing up. we got a great turnout. Uh, Eric was going to... Uh, uh, try and uh, serve as MC today, but uh, he is uh, down with it's either Ebola or bird flu or some combination of Ebola and bird flu. Uh, he's sick, so yeah, a uh, house full of kids over the uh, long weekend, and um, apparently I don't have kids, but apparently they're small, they're broken all the time, and they're contagious, and uh, he is uh, dealing with that. So um, anyway, we'll move on. Um, so the purpose kind of of this call um, is to uh, kind of start um, building the uh, sort of collective knowledge uh, around PBS, um, sort of at PBS 101, and then we'll continue to kind of get a little more advanced um, as we progress through it. But what uh, we're trying to do is uh, make sure that everybody's familiar with just what uh, PBS is, how it works, what is standard across the industry, um, what's normal, and uh, once we have that uh, that knowledge base in place, that'll allow uh, all the pilots here to um, make an informed decision when it comes to uh, voting on the PBS LOA, um, which is in um, sort of process of being uh, negotiated with the company, um, just as a um, where we sit process-wise, right? Um, the uh, as part of the the, the 2021 contract, um, there was an agreement that we would uh, implement PBS, and as part of that process, we created the JPWG, which was the Joint PBS Working Group, um, whose task was to basically work on all um, aspects of PBS, prior to, um, including, well, basically to, to work. Um, with the company, so two members from Alpha, two members from the company work together um, on all all aspects of implementing PBS, and then prior to implementation of PBS, come up with an MOU, and that is the process. Um, or that's where we are in the process right now, is they're working through um, sort of all the details of what goes into a PBS. And it's typically a you know 60-page document that lays lays out. Um, all sorts of things that I don't understand, but that Tim Pavlich and Katie Thompson do, and they're going to give uh, 
give everybody kind of an introduction on what uh, what's going on with that uh, letter and also what's going on with PBS. So that's kind of where we sit. Uh, this will be a real basic um, sort of one, two, three. Um, here is uh, kind of what a PBS is as we go through some more of these uh, calls. We'll have some more information um, and get a little more advanced. Um, there's folks on the property who have never actually worked under a PBS, so I think it's really important that we start at the beginning. Um, for those of us who may have had PBS at a different property, um, may have been a different system, so it may work a little differently. Um, so anyway, um, good to kind of just start uh, from the beginning with the basics, and then we'll kind of build on that uh, that knowledge as we go along. So with that introduction, I'll say um, if you have questions, uh, just take a note, and uh, there'll be time for uh, Q&A uh, once uh, Tim Pavlish is done with his presentation. We'll go through and um, answer uh, whatever questions you have after that. But uh, that being said, Tim, I'm going to turn it over to you. Teach us about PBS, man. Sounds good. Thanks. Can you see my screen right now, Will? Make sure yeah, we got you. Yep, okay. we got it. Sounds good. Uh, thanks, Will. Yeah, my name is Tim Pavlish. Um, Katie Thompson and I are on the joint PBS working group, the JPWG. We're working with two in management to negotiate how we're going to implement PBS at Sun Country Airlines. Um, you probably already know this, or you may already know this, but Sun Country has contracted with NavBlue to be the vendor for our PBS software. Um, a little overview of what we're going to talk about today. It's really not too long of a presentation. It's about 20 minutes or so. Um, we'll start out with some of the PBS products that are out there and in use at some of the other airlines. We'll discuss what PBS does and probably more importantly, what PBS does not do. Um, we'll do a high level introduction to NavBlue PBS algorithm logic, sort of how the system works. So we're not going to get into the great detail of it. Um, that'll come later, but we'll just do a real high level introduction of that algorithm logic and oops after that we'll have a question and answer session like i said about 20 minutes or so and then we'll be on to the q a pbs vendors there are lots of um, vendors out there that offer pbs products united airlines uses jeppesen american sky west and what was compass they all used uh, aos pbs endeavor uses adopt and then you've got Spirit, uh, Delta, Frontier, Alaska, Hawaiian, JetBlue. Uh, these airlines all use NabBlue PBS like we will be using. NabBlue is a mature, reliable product. I believe it's been in use at Delta Airlines since 2003. Um, as with every product in the world, it's got its pros and cons. It certainly isn't a perfect system, um, but I think it will work pretty well for what we need it to do for us at Sun Country Airlines. Um, getting into what PBS does and what PBS does not do. Um, probably best to start out with what PBS does not do. Probably most importantly, PBS does not build trips. So you really won't see any changes from the trips that are out there before PBS versus what the trips are like after PBS. Um, if you've got inefficient Amazon trips, um, those trips are probably going to be similar. Um, the scheduling committee and crew planning will continue to build trips in S3, which is a completely different program than NavBlue. Um, PBS is not going to solve the problem of inefficient flying. Inefficient trips can certainly mean um, bad schedules. And as we said at Masab Airlines, um, where we used ADOPT, garbage in, garbage out. If the trips that are going into the system are no good, it's really hard to make good schedules um, and good lines coming out. Of course, this is why we have trip rig and min-day credit and min-days off per month to try to prevent the garbage um, from being too bad that comes out. Um, but yeah, if the trips are still really inefficient, it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. Um, long trips, right now the plan is to keep those on paper as an early bid. Um, and of course, you will no longer be paired with a captain FO for the same per, uh, the same pairing all month long because everybody's going to have different preferences. You'll fly with people on a trip-by-trip -trip basis. And there will be an FO no-fly list or an FO um, option for a captain no-fly list that remains kind of as we do it now. Um, it's important to note that PBS will not give you everything that you want. Even if you're the most senior person, it's probably not going to give you every single thing you want. For senior people, it probably will give you most of what you want. 
for junior people, it will probably give you a little bit or some of what you want, but for no one on the seniority list is going to, no, nobody's going to get every single thing that they want out of PBS and out of their schedule. Um, getting into what PBS uh, does do, um, it allows a pilot to enter preferences and then an algorithm builds each pilot's line in seniority order. NavBlue uses a concept, it's called build lines from the unallocated pairings pool. And so when it gets to building your specific schedule, it'll look at the trips that are out there that have not yet been assigned to anybody senior. So it builds those lines from what trips are in the unallocated pool. And then a pilot uses positive and negative bid preferences to tell the algorithm how to attempt to build a line. Um, we'll get into those positive and negative bid preferences here in a moment, but first um, we'll talk about how vacation works in PBS, just a broad overview of it. Um, vacation is placed on a schedule as a known absence in advance of the monthly bid. And this is what how it works at every other airline that uses every PBS product. Trips, trips are then awarded around vacation dates. So unfortunately, there's no more trip touching conflicts with vacation because that um, vacation is placed on the monthly schedule before you actually bid for the month. And so vacation relief lines will end up going away and initial open time goes away as well. And that again happens at every airline that transitions from a line bidding world to a PBS world. Recurrent training will also be bid for ahead of time. Um, that'll be bid for before the system builds your schedule so that training will be placed on your line in advance of the schedule and it'll be called a planned activity. A planned activity is, is something that you're doing for the company. Obviously training, going to training is something you're doing for the company. So it's a planned activity. For the company, a known absence is a time when you are away from the company, you're absent from the company. And so for all of these things, vacation and recurrent um, training, you will get those first, you'll do vacation first, then you'll do training around vacation, and then you will get a line award based on your preferences, and the algorithm will build your schedule around those um, planned activities and known positive and negative bid preferences um, that are used. Negative bid preferences will be used by pilots to remove trips from that unallocated pairings pool. Um, so if you are asking for a certain weekend off and there are some trips in that pool still that are available, um, those will get removed from the pool or they will. the system will try to remove those from the pool. Um, you can also say avoid certain types of trips, um, long trips or short trips. Um, you could also avoid certain cities that you don't want to lay over in. There's lots of preferences out there, at least 50, maybe upwards of 70 or 80 preferences um, that can be used in NABLU. And um, so the, these negative bid preferences will remove trips from that pool of available trips that um, might be used to build your line. And then you'll use positive bid preferences that will take trips from the unallocated pairings pool and then attempt to add those to your line. So you can request certain types of layovers. You can potentially ask for duty duration, short days or long days. Um, you can ask for efficiency, pairing credit, um, pairing report and uh, duty off times, things like that for commutability. And it will attempt to build your line, um, assuming there are still trips in that pairings pool that are available to be given to you. So getting in a little bit to the NABLUE solver logic, um, we'll talk about the Adopt world at Masaba first and global feasibility. I came from Masaba Airlines. We used Adopt there. Um, there was a catchphrase that we used there called glo global feasibility. And whenever you didn't get what you wanted, you always blamed it on global feasibility. And so global feas feasibility was essentially after the algorithm um, would build your line, your specific line, um, the system would verify that all junior pilots projected to be line holders could then still have lines legally built for them. If not, it would then alter your line, trade out trips, um, potentially maybe work when you didn't want to work until it knew that all junior lines could still be legally built. And then once the junior lines were verified that they could be legally built, your line was then called complete and it was never changed again later. So that line was then set in stone. NavBlue is different. It uses this um, build lines from the unallocated pairing um, pool. It's a very step-by-step, top-down process. It does not verify that junior lines can still be built. Um, once trips are placed on your line, they are not traded out to subsidize a junior line holder. Um, if somebody senior has a bunch of really efficient Punta Cana turns, 
and the system is having a hard time building junior lines, it will not go up and grab that efficiency from a senior line holder and then bring it down to the lower levels to the junior lines. It will not do that. Um, there are some narrow exceptions for the system to trade out a trip on a senior line and give it to a more junior pilot, but the preferences for the senior pilot will never be broken to do that. So there are a couple examples to kind of get into the details of how that happens. Um, let's say that a senior pilot um, were to bid for and would be awarded um, commutable three-day trips. And then a junior pilot later bids for Las Vegas layovers. If a senior line, uh, if the senior pilot had three-day trip, has a three-day trip with a Las Vegas layover, but there were still on, um, there were still three-day trips that were left in the unallocated um, trip pool that were commutable, it would give the Las Vegas three-day, it would pull it off the senior pilot's line and give it to the junior pilot and then honor that pilot's preferences. And then it would put a different commutable three-day trip on the senior pilot's line instead because the senior pilot hadn't preferenced Las Vegas layovers. And in this sense, it um, basically honors everyone's bid preferences in this kind of simple way of looking at it. Um, another example of that would be, let's say a senior pilot bids for Cancun turns because they're really efficient. Um, and as the system is doing its thing, it's building that pilot schedule and it puts a bunch of Cancun turns on that pilot's line. Um, now let's say that a more junior pilot bids for day trips, just day trips that start after 7 a.m. So if the system had placed an 8 a.m. Cancun turn on the senior pilot's line, and then let's just say that there was a Cancun turn at 6 a.m. still in the pool, it would swap out that 8 a.m. Cancun turn from the senior pilot give it to the junior pilot to honor that pilot's preference to have trips that start after 7 a.m., day trips that start after 7 a.m., and then it would give the senior pilot the 6 a.m. Cancun instead, and that way the system honors everyone's preferences um, and no preferences were broken. That is how the system would trade out trips on senior lines. They do not just randomly trade out trips um, from a senior line in order to subsidize um, junior lines later that still need to be built. So really, in a sense, NABBLUE more closely rewards preferences um, in seniority order. So remember, PBS will not give you everything that you want. Um, as lines are built in seniority order, at some point, PBS will have to begin to deny preferences or utilize lower priority preferences in order to build legal lines or cover trips that more senior pilots don't want to fly. So it can't give you everything you want, especially it goes down as it goes down um, the seniority list um, in your position and has to build lines. So there's four ways that NABBLUE forces flying onto people's lines. The first one is called denial mode. And if a legal line could not be built with the trips that remain in the unallocated trip pool, it's gonna use denial mode. So let's take an example that every single person just let's say has bid for weekends off. Um, it's going to build the senior lines with those um, day trips that are during the week or whatever trips are during the week and give that person weekends off. Well, at some point, the system's going to say, well, there's no more trips during the week to give to a junior pilot because that junior pilot wanted weekends off. It can't build a legal line anymore because there's no more trips during the week to put on that line. So we're going to have to go into denial mode and then force that pilot to work weekends because just there aren't just enough there just aren't enough trips anymore during the week um, to satisfy that preference. So that's denial mode. Another way that NavBlue forces flying onto people is coverage awards or unstacking. So as lines are built in seniority order, so-called stacks of open time begin to build up. Think on popular holidays, everybody say is wanting 4th of July off or Christmas time off. And so as uh, as the as NABBLUE is mon um, building lines, it monitors the stacks constantly as it's building the lines from the top down. And then at a critical point, trips in the stack will be forced onto lines to ensure that open trips aren't concentrated on too few a days. We have already agreed that at the end of every solution run, there can be up to 2% of open time held back um, that won't be put on people's lines. And so um, basically this is allowing the system to, let's say there's 30 trips, that's 2% of open time, 30 trips. Um, and if those 30 trips fall on one day, say over 4th of July, the system is gonna say, well, we can't do that. We have to unstack on some pilots and um, offer coverage awards to basically make sure that that open time, that 2% of open time is kind of spread out through the month and it's just not concentrated on too few a days. All right, 
Third way that NAB Blue Force is flying onto people is called shuffle. Um, when higher priority bid preferences won't allow a legal line to be built, lower priority bid preferences will be utilized to try to build a legal line. So it will start to take trips off of your line as it's building your line and replace it with other different trips that cover um, your lower priority bid preferences. Um, it may have to deny your higher preferences, but it'll utilize your lower priority bid preferences to try to build that legal line. And then shuffle is always utilized prior to denial mode. Before it denies you the preference completely, it will try to shuffle first. And then the last thing um, that forces flying onto people is called secondary line gener generation or SLG. So if shuffle and denial mode can't still build a legal line, then bib preferences are just completely ignored in an attempt to build a legal line. SLG doesn't happen very frequently, and when it does happen, it's usually probably the last few lines that are being built before you get to reserve. Um, and so this is where it's just saying we can't. We, there's not enough trips still available that can um, honor any of your preferences, so we really just have to go into secondary line generation and basically ignore preferences and build a line that way. The cool thing about NABLUE, um, like I said at Masaba, that ADOP software, that global feasibility was just always to blame for when anything went wrong. But the nice thing about NABLUE software is that there's a reasons report that kicks out after every solution run. And so you'll be able to see on that reasons report when NABLUE is unable to comply with the pilot's requested preferences, that reasons report uh, will provide documentation for how and why preferences were denied. And that would be the first probably place that you look when you don't get what you thought you might get. You would go to that reasons report and um, reference that, and then you'd probably see an explanation for why the system had to do what it did. All right. Like I said, it's kind of short and sweet today. Um, really high level introduction to how this um, PBS, NABLU PBS system works. Um, Katie, and you're on the call, I assume. Um, anything you want to add before we get into questions? No, I would just say that um, I know it's a lot of information coming at everybody, but know that there is definitely going to be uh, chance to come you know watch this again and then also there's going to be training that is provided prior to the start of pbs so if there are questions about the system and how it works and what you need to do there is going to be a second time for sure to be able to ask those questions face to face with us and and uh, get more information on how the system operates yeah, there'll be a lot more to do, and there'll, of course, be major training sessions when we actually um, get to a PBS LOA and when we actually have um, a system that's going to work for us. We'll be training the pilot group. Um, everyone will get class on kind of how to bid and um, do their bidding. So this is just kind of a early on super high level look at NABLUE and how the solver kind of works. Um, will, you got any questions to start with or um, anybody else? Well, I would, uh, I would just say ahead, one, one, more, one more thing to add. Um, you guys might have specific questions about what we're discussing in the room. Uh, we can't really talk about the specifics of what we're discussing in the room as far as like numbers, as you know, like what the lines, what the average line value, that kind of stuff. We can't t discuss specifics, we, but we can talk generalizations if uh, if there's questions like that. Perfect. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thank you for that, Katie, as well. Um, that's an awesome, excellent overview and a great start. Uh, we'll open it up to questions. Uh, please use the uh, raise hand function uh, on Teams, and uh, we'll kind of go around, and as people have their hands up, uh, we will call on them, and then uh, we'll circle back. I think we have some people who dialed in on the phone as well. Um, so we'll uh, uh, we'll circle back and make sure that we get uh, folks who are on the phone as well, give them an opportunity. Um, but uh, if we kind of go through the, uh, the raise hand function, that'll be great. That'll keep, uh, keep uh, the crosstalk to a minimum. And uh, try and focus as much as we can, if you if you would, sort of on the content uh, content of, of sort of this this first bite. Um, there will be other uh, presentations to come, and as Katie and Tim both pointed out, um, you don't have to learn everything about uh, NAVBLUE PBS right here. There'll be tra training and mock bidding or 
uh, sort of a normal part of a PBS implementation. Um, so this is kind of here to get uh, that knowledge base uh, up and running before uh, we get a fully executed PBS LOA. So Evan said that. Uh, I think uh, Scott Dara, you uh, you have the floor. All right, can you hear me? We do. We got gotcha. you. Great, great. Okay, quick question. So, from the commuter standpoint, is there an option? I've heard the phrase "ghost basing." So, like, if I live in Florida or I live in Orlando, and I want trips that begin in Lakeland, Tampa, or Orlando, is that a preference that PBS will allow? you to input as a commuter from anywhere? That's my question. Yeah. Um, the trips wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't start down there, of course, because all trips have to start in Minneapolis. Um, but there should be a preference that you would be able to put in that would allow you to preference a deadhead um, that would start to one of those cities that you might be commuting out of. Um, I'm not positive. We haven't actually been trained yet on kind of how to even use the software to bid. We've just kind of looked into how the system works. Um, so I can't say for sure that I know the answer to that question because we haven't been trained yet by NABLU or the company on how we would actually start to make our own bids. Um, and I, I don't know that that's a preference for sure, but I can get back to you on that. Um, we really haven't played too much with the system yet um, because we haven't really agreed to how we're going to operate the system yet um, with management. So um, we're still working on that. But I believe there is a preference, if I recall correctly, that would be starting with deadheads and or ending with deadheads um, and possibly a preference that would allow you to um, preference what city you want that to be to or from so that you could actually just start your trips from where you live. So I'll dig into that and uh, make a note of that and try to get back to you, Scott. Katie, do you remember anything about that that we've learned yet so far? I, I... Um, no, we haven't talked specifically about that and and Tim's right. Like, so the, the company is doing some testing of the current version of the system which is not going to be the final version of the system. So they're starting to do some testing, but our focus right now uh, for Tim and I is just to get the LOA accomplished before we dive into the intricacies of the system. Um, so some of those like super, you know, the details of digging down deep on some of this stuff, we have not been trained on yet. Okay, that's good. Just was curious because I know uh, as a one base airline, I think that's our biggest limiting factor right now. And if they want to grow, I think it's in everyone's best interest to make it easy for people to uh, work here and not in Minneapolis. So that's all I got. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Pan, you uh, you have the floor, my friend. How you doing? Hey, good. Can you guys hear me? We got you. All right. Katie and Tim, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And I think everyone else can uh, reiterate the same. Uh, thanks for stepping up and, and taking on this big task. Uh, my one question that I have is, you know, as of now, we we get our bid packet on the 16th. We're awarded on the 20th. And then we go through almost nine days of initial open time um, lip uh, for three days until we almost now until the 29th, until we really get our final schedule. Are you guys trying to move that up uh, more in line with something industry normal so we can get our schedules by the middle of the month so we can plan for the next month? The short answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> everything I know else with is uh, yeah, everything else is kind of subject right now to negotiations. So the short answer to that question is yes, we are trying to. Right. And I know now with, you know, the two days it takes them to build the relief lines, and then you've got three days for the initial open time. That will pretty much be all be gone, is what I'm getting from you. Yeah. Yeah. There'll so be some really efficiencies. Yeah, there'll be some efficiencies that we'll gain from not having to do that process. Um, and there are some reasons, basically, to move that whole um, timeline up 
Um, is somebody <laughs> not muted? Yeah, somebody's using a Everybody saw. Sure it sounds like. Muted. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, yeah, we're we're looking at moving that timeline up in the month um, so that we'll be able to see our schedules um, as they're produced by NABLU at an earlier date than what we kind of know what our schedules are going to be right now. Um, sure. Exact dates are still not, you know, we're still hashing those things out. But um, yeah, it um, things are looking like it will move up to being earlier in the month. Great. All right. Well, thanks for all this information. I appreciate it. And it was a good first look at it. Yeah, it's a broad overview for now, but uh, we'll get into more details on it later. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for attending. All right. Yeah, appreciate it. Bye. Uh, Tim, on the, uh, you know, just on that timing question, because I know that's a big one. Um, well, obviously, we're still kind of working on what those dates are going to be. But can you give a sense, you know, for, say, Spirit and Frontier, or JetBlue, Alaska, kind of what they're, what their timelines look like just so people have a sense for what is normal kind of around the industry here. Yeah, you bid, you kind of do that vacation um, adjustment bid kind of usually two months in advance, kind of like 20 through 25th ish, sort of that time frame. And then training bidding usually happens on the last few days of a month to maybe the first few days of the next month that you're actually going to be. So like in July 1st for the August schedules, um, and then typically, this is just off the top of my head, but the other airlines are around the, you know, third through the seventh ish or something like that um, for the bid timeline um, for the monthly bid, putting your preferences into NABLU. Then usually it takes three, two, three, four days to run all the solutions. And then you can kind of get your preliminary schedule after that, um, which would be you know, somewhere around the, well, 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, that's kind of the range of a lot of the other airlines, as, as I recall. Um, can't say I've looked at it recently exactly where everybody's at, but that's kind of what rings a bell. Katie, any, is that about right as you, in your recollection? Yeah, that's about right. And um, I think one of our later presentations is going to have some more kind of in-depth timeline stuff, and we'll we'll point out what the what the others in the industry are doing and what their timelines are. So. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, anything else, Pan? You good? Um, you sounded good. So I'm just going to assume that you are. Uh, Davidowski, um, you are up. You have the floor, my friend. Hey, how you doing? You hear me all right? We got you. Cool. Um, so. Uh, currently, we have manpower that looks at our lines to look at them for any kind of fatigue or inefficiencies. Are we going to use that manpower to uh, look at pairings then now that we don't have lines uh, built? That's the that's all I got. Thanks. Uh, you know, I, when I was in Recurrent recently, they kind of mentioned something about there's a software that they're buying. Katie, you were in Recurrent with me, that there's some software they're buying that are, is going to look at that, um, especially specifically for trips. Um, you know, the, the solver, you can only tell it, the, the NABLU solver, you can only tell it um, whatever rules you want to give it, um, which would be the FAR rules and our contractual rules. Um, it's probably it's not going to have a human to go in there and say, well, this kind of doesn't make sense because if it's if it's legal and if it's contractually legal and FAR legal, it will um, award it. And based on what we agree to um, allow it to do in this LOA. Um, but I think the software that the safety uh, department is implementing um, should still look at all the trips and kind of put red flags up for. Um, things that are built within trips because those will still be built in that S3 program and not in NABLU. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where we're at on that. Um, anything to add, Katie, on that? No, um, it's a, it's the fatigue software that the rest of the industry uses, and and Sun Country finally is uh, starting to utilize it, so that may help some of the inefficiencies but uh or and the fatigue but um that will still be a company company primary function is is for building the pairings and stuff so we'd have you know 
a little input potentially, but that's it, that's out of our purview. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Jay. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Right, fatigue is uh, especially uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, interesting concept. Um, you could wind up well. Yeah, you could maybe want perhaps wind up with a more fatiguing schedule than you might get otherwise. Right, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I think there's, I will say there's going to be a learning curve. Um, I know there will be for me, and there probably will be for everybody else. So, um, next up, uh, Bill Perry. I see you got your hand up. You have the floor. Hey, well, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you, Bill. What do you got? Hey, um, two quick things. Uh, the first one is just a uh, simple question. Obviously, the hard deadline for PBS implementation is long since gone. Do we have any type of soft deadline, a new deadline, or anything that both the company and the union are targeting other than just as soon as possible. And then the second part is, is NavBlue also going to be our open time solution or how will that look afterwards? Thanks. Yeah, I could probably take the first one um, in terms of um, kind of a deadline um, at soon or maybe 2024. Um, so the issues I think that that you know so the the plan right was the first of the year obviously that didn't happen uh, we've been continuing to work on the PBS LOA my understanding is from a programming standpoint if we need to get um, customizations done um, the way the way NavBlue works right is um, you uh, Alpha and the company get together. They um, um, agree and sign their PBS LOA, and that's you know that sixty-page document has, um, you know, here's how we agree that the thing needs to work, right? Um, and then you ship that to NavBlue, they program it, and then um, or do whatever customizations they need to do, and on their next release cycle or whenever, however long that takes them. Uh, uh, you get a software uh, implementation, you do some testing, and away you go. Um, NavBlue, um, like everybody else, um, uh, well, frankly, are looking for programmers. They have what I believe is Alaska in queue now ahead of us, um, and um, they are still waiting for us to produce uh to, to hand them an loa so um in terms of customizations that they need to do my understanding is that probably wouldn't take place until sometime in 2020 in q1 of 2024 if we handed them a letter in the next couple of months so sometime after q1 of 2024 would be my best guess in terms of go ahead tim yeah, and well, and then they'll have once they do build that special programming, um, we'll have to test it to make it sure make sure the system's operating the way we expect it to operate. Um, and then, of course, we'll have to train the whole pilot group on how to use it, which will take you know I think five to six weeks to get everybody an option to attend a class on on actually how you're going to bid with the um, the software. Um, and then we'll have to have um, you know a period of mock bids where we will still line bid, but we will run the NabBlue system um, kind of in conjunction with the line bids. The line bids will still be how we get our schedules, but we will mock bid um, and practice with the NabBlue system um, so everybody gets a chance to kind of play with it and see what it spits out when you bid things. And of course, the more people that participate in that, the better. Um, so. Yeah, all that will take some time yet um, when you add all those things together, and especially the part about the special programming from NabBlue, um, because they are pretty booked out. Their programmers are, are we're told, quite booked out. Um, so it's hard to guess really yeah. um, when it will be ready to go or when it will go live. Um, really, your guess is just about as good as ours, but um, it'll take some time still. 
so there are several airlines that are working on their initial setup of NavBlue. Um, Alaska is one, but then there's a couple of regionals. Um, and then there's also some fairly large programming changes that have come through because of recent TAs and recent agreements with like say Delta and, and others. So NavBlue has basically told Sun Country that they do not have the ability to program anything that isn't written in an LOA. So until things are agreed to by us in writing, they do not want to expend the time and programming capacity to program anything until we can say this is set in stone. So we could have concepts that we've agreed to in principle and try to move those along, but NavBlue has basically said that they don't have the ability to do that until we have a signed LOA. So take that information and uh, <laughs> extrapolate on your own, but basically it's it might be a while. Bill, does that, uh, I don't know, it's probably not the best answer, but it's the best answer we got. Um, and then tell me the second part of your question again, because I'm, I, 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 I'm a pilot. I can only think about one thing at a time. Sure. Uh, the other part of the question was open time and how it relates to the software or, for example, what the interface will look like for a pilot. For those of us that have never used NavBlue, is it is it a mobile app? Is it something we got to sit down in front of a computer or an iPad? And then how will open time look? I'm assuming it'll be the same software that will be able to interact with open time or how will that work? Well, we got some bad news for you on that. It's um, NavBlue only builds the lines. Um, it only builds your schedule. And then once NavBlue builds your schedule, they have to export it into Ames eCrew. And then all the day-to-day -day operations, including daily open time, trip ads and drops and changes, that's all still going to happen in um, eCrew. Unfortunately, um, when you bid on NavBlue, your question about bidding um, for now in NavBlue, you'd be able to use your iPad on a web web browser. There may be an app someday, um, but I don't believe there's an app right now. Um, but you can use your web browser on an iPad um, or a computer, and that's how you'll um, bid um, in NavBlue. But again, NavBlue only builds your lines um, for the month, and then that gets exported back into E-crew aims and then day-to-day -day stuff is kind of as it is right now, unfortunately. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Yep. All right. Thanks, Bill. Um, Tom Stella, you had your hand up. I don't know uh, if that was inadvertent or... Um... Uh, no, I did. My question was answered. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Great. Uh, next up, I see uh, Ross Johnson. What do you got, Ross? Good to see you, man. Yeah, how you guys doing? Um, you're doing. Yep, go. So I find it interesting. NavBlue doesn't want to deal with us unless they have something in stone, which is very good. That's going to force our management to actually come up with a real plan, which it's going to be a while. That's what that tells me. Yeah, it's we hard to predict. Build, we can't just build something. They, they, NabBlue wants us to have something in stone before they even look at us, which is excellent as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That was yeah, just my opinion. Yeah. That was no, just my opinion, though. No, that's uh, that's absolutely what they've NabBlue has kind of said. Um, they kind of keep asking when we're going to get the LOA done. Um, but we're still we're working on it still. Um, it's a very slow, tedious process. You know, both sides just want to get it right um, the first time around. Um, but we're still moving forward with it and we're narrowing the issues and um, yeah, solutions are still being met. It's been nice working with a small group. You know, early on in this process, we had like 25 people in meetings, including lawyers from all sides people who didn't understand how the system worked. Um, and that was just kind of like spinning your wheels in mud. Um, so we finally broke it down into just Katie and I, and then two people from the company, Andy Papaleo and Jeff Bush. 
And um, it's much better when you've got four people in there who actually know how the system's working or is at least learning how the system is working. And we really hash it out kind of as a small group. Um, and it's way more productive than attempting to like trade full length proposals back and forth between um, the company and Alpa. Um, so the process has been slow and tedious, but it is still moving forward and it's a good working group. Um, you know, it's Andy and Jeff are great people. They're nice to work with. So um, well, we're getting, and, we're getting and there. NavBlue has mentioned, and, and as we've seen sitting in the room, that we have a more intricate flight schedule, um, more intricate operation than most airlines. We NavBlue told us directly that they have never put in this many airport codes for an airline by far. So we couldn't just take the other Spirit, Frontier, Delta language and just cut and paste the whole LOA uh, and call it good for us because we do have so many kind of different intricate parts like our vacation slide current vacation slide is so much different than everybody in the industry um they're trying to work on the sort toa trips and how to program those and so we do have stuff both in sitting in the room as jpwg and operating with nav blue we have so many more details that we have to go over to make pbs work for our operation and so that's part of the timeline and why it's taking so long is because we do have uh things in our system that other folks don't have yeah that's a really good explanation katie um you know and ross um, i think to your point um or maybe not exactly but to everybody on the call right um it is taking a while to get the draft loa together um, but the important thing is that it, it needs to be an LOA that this pilot group ratifies. Um, this affects um, all the pilots on property significantly, and um, you all need the ability uh, to say yay or nay on what that looks like. And that's part of why we're doing these um, these Tuesdays and Tuesdays discussions, which is kind of build that, build the knowledge base of what PBS is, how it works, and uh, and ultimately, when you look at something, you'll know what you're voting on. So, yeah, thanks, Ross. Did you have anything else? No, I just found it. I just wanted to say how I was. It was my opinion that it's interesting that NavBlue wants something that's in stone before they even work on it. Because I could just see, I could just see they they write something up and then they have to redo it, and they write something up and then they have to redo it. It's probably not in their best interest to do anything. It's to me, it makes perfectly good business sense on their part. That's that's my only comment. It wasn't meant to be negative or anything. I, yeah, no, no, not at all, Ross. No, yeah. no it is. They are yeah. a real company. They Positive. do things the right way. <laughs> yeah. Nav, the the Nav Blue representative actually said it's not even about the money. Like we don't have the capacity to reprogram stuff over and over. It doesn't matter how much you pay us. We can't. We're not going to do it. So it's not, you know, it's not that they're trying to like, ooh, we're trying to save you guys money. They literally just cannot handle the volume of programming if it has to be done multiple times. So. Yeah, Thank you. Right yeah. All right. Um, anybody else with questions? Uh, I see Dave G. Uh, Gus, is that Gus? Is that you? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, quick right. question. I guess, um, I guess we'll go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, I look at other airlines and they pretty much do the same things all the time. It's just a different city, different time of day. You know, it's it's basically deli, you know, roast beef, deli ham, deli turkey. But our trips are so diverse. You know, we've got super efficient Punta Cana and Cancun turns. And we have little trips and big trips and really inefficient Amazon flying does, is it, have you guys seen anything that's raised an eyebrow like, hey, our PBS outputs are going to look really different because we have such a vast different amount and types of flying? Yeah, that's kind of up in the air at this point. We don't really know because we haven't run 
very many solutions, um, very, um, realistic PBS solutions yet um, in kind of the test version that we have right now to play with. And of course, we don't have it specially programmed with anything that we've been talking about as the JPWG, and that might actually be part of our um, system when we actually run this thing. So it's it's a test version that we have right now, but it's not super reliable because it's not programmed the way we probably are going to be running the program. And also you don't have dynamic bids from different bids from all kinds of different people. Um, it's kind of doing groups of bidding right now. Um, so it's hard to say exactly how that's going to affect us. And yeah, like you said, there's no, there's no other airlines out there that kind of do what we do. And so you can't actually ask what the other airlines you know, how that affected them because we're pretty unique right. in that sense. Um, so that's probably going to come down to the testing that will occur after the special programming is complete. Um, and when we actually sit down and test the software, um, once we have the LOA complete and once NABLUE has um, completed all their special programming, and then those will be some questions that, you know, as we test it, we're going to really stress test it and see what it does and um, try to find out where there are problems and hopefully you know as we negotiate this LOA hopefully we're going to minimize those problems because we do go down some rabbit holes in our conversations um, and spend a lot of time trying to prevent issues later um, especially given the fact that we do have a kind of a unique set of flying um, at Sun Country so. Okay, and then the second question, um, you said that we're going to vote on it. Historically, with other airlines, you know, what types of things, hypothetically, are people opposed to, or why would it not get vote, voted in? What kind of things do people come, issues come up that people say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense? Yeah, interesting question. Um, yeah, I don't know, Tim or, I don't know if Tim or Katie, if you guys want to jump in there. I mean, I think where you would see resistance, Dave, um, would be, uh, you know, certainly as we get down and get a little further um, into some of the details, um, uh, it, with things like, you know, an average line value, historic line value, right, which we haven't talked about, um, that was just completely out of the line with industry norms, right? Um, or some some implementation of a parameter that would basically circumvent seniority. Those sorts of things, I think, are are, are where the traps are in terms of getting something to ratify. Um, okay. So, all right. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we are uh, coming up on the top of the hour. Um, Anybody else uh, on Teams want to raise your hand? And if not, we'll swing over to the uh, to, to telephone lines real quick. Um, not seeing anyone. Uh, if you're on the phone, um, star six to unmute. And uh, I should be able to see you if you unmute. And we'll just call on you from, uh, from your last uh, four phone digits there. I've got... Uh, we do have the ability uh, to raise your hand on the phone too. If you hit star five, star five on your phone will raise your hand. Awesome, that'll work too. Four one two two. You are. Uh, yep, your line's open. You have the floor. All right, hey guys, it's Paul Russell. Obviously, the only four hundred one on the planet in this company. That's a Rhode Island area code. <laughs> anyway, thanks for all that you guys are doing. Um, my question is, there's been a lot of talk about the very uniqueness of our operation compared to anyone else NavBlue deals with, as well as NavBlue is in a pretty high position of power right now because they're in so much demand and they're inundated by everyone else. It's, it's beyond realistic expectation, I would imagine, that our first agreement that we give to NavBlue is going to be, you know, absolute solid gold and it's going to work great. What type of obligation does NavBlue have to us in the in the form of a rectification team as we encounter problems once it is implemented? Do we have any type of rep or a couple of reps with NavBlue that we can work through problems in a fluid manner? Or once they make our first version, we're back in help to fix the problems that we encounter in the implementation, because obviously we're going to encounter problems. So. As we run through our first runs and we encounter problems, 
are we now back in the queue behind four other airlines because they're just so inundated before we can actually fix any of the problems we discover along the way? Um, so we have a current version that, that we're using off of a very early kind of uh, spreadsheet of like what should we put, put into the first version just to start working with it. And as the company is doing some testing on it and they're finding bugs here and there or misunderstandings or how, how does the language work or whatever. Um, we're going back to NavBlue and, and saying, well, how does this work? And it's not working the right way with our system. And, and honestly, Ames has been a huge problem for programming with the NavBlue system because only one other airline uses Ames and that was Horizon. And Horizon's Ames files were different than the files that we use, and so that caused a huge problem. Um, so we've been dealing all along with those issues and and trying to rectify them. Um, if there is something that comes about from the LOA that is agreed to, and it is programmed as such, um, and they programmed it to our specifications, but our specifications were incorrect, or maybe the contract language was misinterpreted. That is being addressed in current stuff now, but in the LOA, that would definitely be addressed. If it is something we told them to do and they did it properly, but we told them to do it wrong, that would probably go in the queue behind other programming. So that's why it's so important to get this done correctly. Um, in the LOA and have an understanding of intention and operation so that we don't have to go in the queue because something's wrong. It's programmed with the wrong intent. Um, one of the things we're also finding with the situation now is NavBlue has come to us on a couple of issues and said, yeah, our system doesn't operate like that. And Sun Country has asked them to change the way they program NavBlue for our airline. And that has yeah, not Yeah, how, how receptive that, have they been to that? Yeah, that, that hasn't gone over so well. Um, so it, it's just the understanding of what their system does, how it works with our operation, how it works with AIMS, and addressing those issues in uh, a real way and not just saying, well, we can you change your core fundamental programming for that? I mean, it's there has been some of that. And part of that is the Oliver Wyman piece. There's been misunderstandings from their people on how contract language is interpreted or. Frankly, contract language was missed in some of these this preliminary programming. So. As long as our language that we provide them is correct and the intent is clear, we they would I think they would be quick to fix it. If we screw up and tell them to do something incorrectly and they program it as such, and then we go back and say, oh, that's not what we meant, we'll either have to pay for them to change it or and or be put at the end of the queue. So that's why right. as long as so this the is real paid. answer is we will not have individualized support for a screw up, whether it's theirs or ours, we'll be put in a queue if there's a problem. Um, no, not necessarily. Like we we have meetings every week with them. And so we do have individual support for our property. It's just we need to make sure our product that we give them to program is right. It is detailed, it is as complete as possible so that it's done correctly, because if that is not the case, then we will go to the back of the line. Yes. Okay, and one and of the, and, oh, Paul, hey, just ahead. to, just, yeah, just to yeah, maybe add a little, yeah, to add a little color to that too, right? So during the um, sort of selection process, right, there was sort of, they're kind of, there's sort of two front runners, right, which was um, Adopt and NavBlue, um, and the company, you know, sort of to their credit, actually has a pretty sort of robust vendor selection process. Actually, like like kind of crazy in some regards, right? But um, yeah, they go through a whole you know, a whole bunch. There's a whole grid, right? A whole 
round of questions. And um, but kind of one of the keys I think that emerged in that process was on the support question, which you're asking about. And um, and my recollection may be off slightly, um, but the way that I sort of remember that that panning out um, was that Nav Blue, in terms of sort of day to day support, um, <clears throat> was outstanding. Like twenty four seven, you pick up the phone. There's somebody there. They're you know they're not in Greece. This isn't this isn't AMZ crew level of support. This is Airbus level of support, right? They are an Airbus company. Um, so I. But, you know, so I think there are I think we could have pretty high support expectations for these things. But as Katie pointed out, right, you have to give them exactly, you know, the better the letter we give them, the better the programming is going to be. But um, uh, in terms of, you know, day to day support, right, this probably isn't going to be an AIMS like experience um, because um, they are not an AIMS like company. Um, okay. Is, so, I don't know. That was, uh, you touched on the exact second part of my question. How many other companies, we met, we listed many companies using NavBlue. How many of them are interfacing it with this existing, I will leave all explicatives out of this conversation, AIM system we're using, and how is it working for them? Because this AIM system does not work for us. In my opinion, it's, it's way better than it was. You do have the ability for trip drop ads and whatnot, if you're in the right zone with the right Wi-Fi and you're quick at sending emails and you can discover these messages that pop up that make no sense and no one can answer your question, yeah, Ames works if you look at it that way. But who else is using it in accordance with Ames and how is it working for them? Because for me personally, it works about 60% of the time on a great day. Yeah, I think Katie had hit that a little bit. I mean, I think for Ryzen... I'm sorry, Verizon. Horizon is the only other airline um, that is using Nav Blue and Ames. Uh, but remember, kind of the the piece there, right? Is the is the trips um, the trips are built right? They get exported from S3 um, into Nav Blue. You bid on them; it creates your lines, right? And then uh, in Nav Blue, and then that those lines are then exported out. Um, uh, sort of into aims at that point. And so I guess the really, really high level of explanation for it. And Tim, I probably screwed that up, but um, <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the aims, you know, so the, so the e-crew issues, right. Is sort of the bill's point, right. For daily open time and stuff, right. We're going to continue to see those because well, that continues to be e-crew. Um, right. Then, but there are just a couple of instances where you're going to have this interface between, um, Nav Blue, your PBS bidding system, and um, and eCrew, and it really is that's just data going back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Anything so at else, the Paul? end of the day, at okay. the end of the day, there's no discussion at any point. I know we've beat this horse to death over the over the previous months, but there's no anticipation of deviating away from Ames to something better at any point at this time and. and on schedule, correct? Um, yeah, there might be, but it's sort of outside of the PBS discussion. Um, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's happy with Ames. I, I know nobody's happy with Ames. Um, and nobody <laughs> at the company's happy with Ames either. Um, right. you know, so, yeah. Ask the man. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time, everybody. All right, Paul. Uh, anybody else on the phone? Um, either unmute or star five to raise your hand. All right. And um, and just anybody else in general, just open up, uh, make sure everybody's got their questions answered, or at least got the opportunity to ask uh, any questions that they had. Uh, all right. I got a hand up from um, uh, 287-812-778. I, I don't think that's actually the phone number. It looks like somebody punched in the meeting ID number, but... Uh, oh. You know, you just raised your hand. Yep. <laughs> hey, guys. It, yeah, I just had a quick question. I, I had to pick up the kids from school, so I didn't get a chance to watch all the Q&A. Is there a way to back this up and look, relook at your slideshow? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we are planning on putting this presentation up on our YouTube channel, as well as having the audio posted to our podcast uh, server. So whatever podcast outlet you use, you should be able to get the audio of this. And uh, the video will go up on the YouTube, of course. It's got to go, you know, get vetted through Alpa Legal and stuff to make sure everything's okay to post. But once we get through all that, we'll be putting it up on the YouTube channel. All right. Thank you. That's that's all I had. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, right on. Thank you. All right. Any other questions? All right, seeing none, um, Evan, are we on uh, next week or is it two weeks from now? When is our next installment of uh, of PBS 101 so everybody knows when to tune back in? I believe we are on for PBS in two weeks. I We haven't coordinated for sure. The next Tuesday is actually the Saints game, the family awareness event, and I'm not sure if we're actually doing an all-pilot call that day or no, we're not. <laughs> so it's two weeks from today. Perfect. All right. Yep. So Tuesday at two, two weeks from today, we'll get a calm out. Um, and uh, Tim and Katie will have some more details. Um, probably go over a little bit of what, um, uh, just a high level, what we cover here today. Uh, but then also uh, dive a little deeper into Nav Blue and. Um, continue that education process. So um, really do appreciate you all um, uh, taking the time to participate. We had a fantastic turnout. Um, please, um, hey, we hope to see as many of you as possible at the Saints game, but also uh, in two weeks. Um, love to see you back here at the Tuesday to two for some follow-up and some more detail on PBS. This is important stuff. Um, we're going to be living under PBS um, for quite a while and it's important that we know as much about it as possible um so um so we know what we're getting and we know what we're voting on so that's all i got thanks to tim and katie they have done fantastic work and uh, they are going to continue to do that and uh, that's all i got see you in a couple of weeks thank you so much